Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Matthew Ayer. Matt is a 34-year-old airline pilot who created a page called Veggie Pilot to prove anyone could be vegan even while on the road. Veggie Pilot features recipes, restaurants around the world, and various philanthropic endeavors. I'm so excited for you to hear this interview. It's just another great example of how activism for veganism or anything else can be done no matter what else you do in life. Here we go. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is it preventing you from achieving your goals? By now, you all know that therapy is an important part of my self-care. It has truly been a game changer in every aspect of my life. BetterHelp is the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They are changing the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to a licensed therapist. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. You can start communicating within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. And I have a special offer for you. Visit BetterHelp.com Carly and join the over million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. By using this code, you get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Carly. Take care of yourself today. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Um, well, thank you for joining. I am really excited that you um, are willing to be here. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So the podcast is called Consciously Clueless. And that came from this place of kind of being on this journey of wanting to be more conscious in different areas of my life. And then also kind of being playful with it and realizing that there's still some days that I'm just completely clueless and don't know what I'm doing um, and everything in between. So I like starting by asking guests, just like, where are you at? in this moment right now on the spectrum from conscious to clueless, whatever that means to you. Um, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty tapped in right now. I, uh, <clears throat> have had, uh, a big year for introspection and mm-hmm. the last week I've been homesick. I spent a lot of time reflecting. So I'm feeling, feeling good, feeling tapped in right now. Good. I love that tapped in. Yeah. Um, so you are the veggie pilot, the one and only veggie pilot on Instagram. Yes. And I don't remember how I started following you. It's been quite a while, but I just loved seeing, or I do love seeing your photos of you like in the cockpit being like, look at my vegan food. I was so intrigued by this juxtaposition. Um, (laughs) and I just want to dive into that. So let's first start talk about being a pilot sure let's go let's go for it okay what would you like to know how did you always want to fly planes like how did that happen what what's it like I mean it feels like is it a video game could I fly a plane like tell us (laughs) um that's tough for me to say I don't think you could fly a plane (laughs) come on Uh, not you personally but I think (laughs) 
there's there's a lot of training involved um it's a little like if anyone who doesn't fly normally goes to sit in the cockpit it can be a bit abstract almost because there's so many uh switches and buttons and even the screens the information that's on the screen seems um you know foreign Mm -hmm. so um i think there's a, a good amount of training that has to happen for you to be able to kind of uh okay you know, i'll scratch that off my list <laughs> not saying you shouldn't uh take on that but um you know i think with the smaller planes is alone i would say if you were like a bank robber and you hmm. um i like where this is already going we're in five yeah, minutes in. Like, if you were like able to break into the airport and find one of those like really simple cessnas cessnas i think there's a good there's there's a better chance um, that you could somehow figure out how to turn it on, put the power forward and like take off. But, uh, you know, who knows? Who <laughs> That's knows? what happens in the movies. I'm assuming it's <laughs> the same, right? <laughs> People yeah. just always know how to fly planes or helicopters all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, that would be a good experiment actually. So, so you're like, okay, you need to go, you need to figure out how to turn this thing on. Yes. And see if you can get off the ground. That's amazing. <laughs> So how That'd did you be become cool. a pilot? Like, what was that journey like? Was that something you always wanted um, to do? I don't know. I thought it was kind of like boring when I was young, to be honest. You know, mm -hmm. I definitely was like a super nerd about it, which some of the pilots are like, um, pi uh, everybody thinks pilots are like these kind of like, I don't know, like the old World War II trope of it's <laughs> like, John, you know, womanizing alcoholic. And a lot of them are like, kind of nerds family people and um so there's a lot you know i'm very nerdy myself probably just not as much with aviation but um yeah i didn't really have that passion and uh i kind of fell into it just because i didn't really know what i wanted to do and it seemed mm -hmm. like a deep career direction after high school i hated like classroom learning or anything like that and so that's how I got into flying. And now I love the career. It's awesome. I love it because it pays well while still giving me a lot of time off. I only work like three days a week now. Okay. So, and I'm home every night. It's an interesting job too. It's very interesting, like being at work. Yeah. You know? I just, I mean, imagine the people you're meeting, the places you're going, like it is there is something that feels very like it's very romanticized in that way. I yeah. Which, which it's not so much like I, I see your point, but that's not really the cool part. I think that is like kind of a romantic idea of like totally tra traveling around and it's very luxurious right. all that. Like when you're at work and you're traveling, like it's a grind, you know? And yeah. Like, oh god i'm gonna get uber eats to the hotel room or whatever you know um it's not like we'll go get croissants down in the <laughs> river or whatever it's not it's not really like i mean for some pilots it is but usually the guys who have been in the career for so long they just don't care about that stuff they just want right they're just getting through the work week you know so it's like when you hear about um musicians or something that they're like, wow, that would be, that would be such a cool lifestyle. And then you hear musicians being interviewed and they're like, yeah, it's real like lonely or, you know, like there's always this romantic yeah. idea of those types of jobs. And then you hear from people and you're like, well, yeah, I think that's from an outsider's perspective, like a lot of careers or a lot of hobbies or anything like that, like 
you're kind of seeing the glorious moments of right. it, so to speak. Um, you know, the cool, I mean, I'm not saying being an airline pilot is not cool because it is cool. But the, the reason I think it's cool is because the stuff that would be behind the scenes, you know, flying a really challenging approach into difficult weather, you know, working with the other pilot to get it done, um, solving problems, the critical thinking, the decision making, um, the, it, it is really rewarding when you've had a difficult day and you get it done and the people are, you know, you get them safe and sound to their city and stuff like that. There's a lot of gratification from that. Um, and it can also be fun. Like my airline, I'm home every night, but at a traditional airline, maybe you leave for four days and right. you're on a four day trip and you're with a pilot, the same pilot and you're with the same flight attendants and you guys have like a bunch of cool layovers and you like it's really you like really bond together you know like right. relationships are formed you know you become like great friends maybe you start dating somebody you mm -hmm. know like it's it's a really cool thing for that reason um now this job i'm at breeze which is no more layovers which i love because i want to be home right you know i want to my meals i want to sleep in my bed so and you still get those bonding moments it's just not as much you know and I imagine with, um, you know, hard not to talk about it right now, but I imagine with COVID, it's a lot of people have been like reconsidering their careers and their life choices just in general being like, yeah. you know, either life is short or I need to change into something I'm more passionate about. But even during that and during all that stress, this is something you feel like you're like, no, this is where I need to be. Yeah, I did a lot of reflection um, during the pandemic because I lost my airline job um, in 2020, early 2020, because my airline straight up just went out of business. And so wow. Um, wow. I didn't know I, the, the industry was really hurt. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what was going to happen. And I kind of there was one point where I uh, was talking to PETA about coming on as as one of the like doing some job either with social media or I was like interviewing for um like one of their campaign leader positions or something like oh, cool. that yeah it would have been cool but it was just like a big undertaking to start a whole new career and yeah. I was really angry at the industry I was really bitter towards I don't know like existentially just angry because you know, I'd sacrificed so much for the career and moved right. around and hadn't had like much stability in life because I've spent so much time like working towards this goal. And then for it all to kind of seemingly evaporate was really hard. It was really heartbreaking. Um, so during that time, I really thought about what I wanted. You know, I spent a lot of time like really deeply thinking about what I wanted. And um, and I kind of came to the conclusion that I like flying and I like the job. I just didn't like being gone for, for days at a time. I didn't like that aspect of it. Right. Uh, and I didn't like having to live in these big cities because that's traditionally where the airlines were based because it's really expensive. It's hard to save money. And, it, you know, kind of lonely living in big cities. It's hard, harder to meet people. Yeah. Sometimes. So I, in my head, I thought about it. I said, I want an airline that I'll be home every night or at least stay local and um, I'll be able to live in like a cool, smaller city. And Breeze manifested itself. Um, <laughs> and it's been exactly what I was looking for, exactly to the T what I was looking for. That's amazing. I mean, it sounds like you manifested Breeze. 
it feel like that. It was, you know, I think if we, if we're living in the simulate simulation, then, you know, <laughs> and everybody else is a, just a computer algorithm program and I'm the only real human. And that makes sense. I manifested this airline. Um, but you know, I, I, uh, I just think some, like, I think from a spiritual sense, oftentimes our lives are already pre-aligned to think to what we're going to want at that time. I think, mm. you know, I think we are always put on some sort of trajectory and I think that those trajectories cause us to feel certain ways and want it certain ways. And, and um, life had just emotionally set me up to be in a position where I really wanted like stability right. and, and that this airline had to offer. Well, that's awesome. Either way manifested or simulation or blue pill, red pill, whatever's <laughs> happening in the world. Um, I'm glad that you found. Carly, do you think we live in a simulation? I don't know if I do. I have a lot. Of, I have some other believe, theories you, about the world. Are you spiritual? Do you believe in God? I do not. Okay. So what is your, what is your idea of ex, like existence? So when I um, was in my yoga teacher training, I have always had this chip on my shoulder about God. I didn't, I never connected. I never related. I didn't like it. Um, and we were in this training and in one of the books we were going through was talking about some philosophy and stuff. And they used the word God. And we talked about it as a group because our instructor was like, I know some of you probably have your hackles up. That's that often happens. And she was like, but in this philosophy, we're thinking of God as you, God as me, God as everybody. And that is when it like, finally, like that word didn't, I didn't hate that word anymore. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, makes- we're just like all the thing. We're all this connected thing. And that was the first time anything like that made sense to me. Yeah. So, so have you had this idea about your life where you felt like, uh, do you view things as kind of random happenings or do you feel like you've been led on a certain path or do you feel like you've been making important decisions regarding your life? That's going to lead you different directions. How do you kind of view everything? I think that we have more power in creating our reality than um, we give ourselves credit for. And that more than like, (laughs) more than like our systems would want us to believe, right? Like our, our like big systems of capitalism or the patriarchy or whatever, are not wanting us to think that we have any control on a smaller, big level. And I think that we have a lot of control in creating that, um, that path forward. So I don't think it's necessarily all laid out. Um, I think there's infinite realities and I'm getting to pick and choose how I navigate this one. Wow. And here we are. Together and here we are. On one, of the infinite realities. one infinite reality brought us here. <laughs> I love that you just put me on the spot. That doesn't happen much in the podcast. What if there was another reality where I lived in northern Minnesota and you lived in Northwood? I'm sure there is. And you're <laughs> interviewing me <laughs> and I'm interviewing for your podcast. <laughs> you're a pilot. That seems um, cool. That that yeah. Yeah, that does seem cool. I don't know. It's a little cold up there though. So. Yeah, I don't know if you'd make it. No, I don't like that reality. <laughs> you can choose another <laughs> one. That's the best part. <laughs> so given the 
t- the side turn we just went into in philosophy and infinite realities and uh, do we believe in God, that makes me curious about just kind of the way you operate in the world. Like just the fact that you're asking me those questions makes me think that you've done some pretty deep self-reflection, which you've mentioned at the pandemic, like at the onset of the pandemic and all of that. Is that spirituality or that type of thinking, something that's always been there for you? Or is that something that came later? Um, I think it's tough to tell. I think um, I'm, so I'm 34 now. I think there is a pretty common emotional, I don't know, framework for most people. And I think probably around your early thirties, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of like pondering of existence and it doesn't necessarily have to be something of like, a higher power Mm -hmm. or anything like that. I do think it has to do with kind of like, what is the point? You know, like, what am I doing here? And I think the reason for that is because up until your thirties, you really haven't had a chance for most people. I think everybody's different, obviously, but for most people, you haven't really had a chance to kind of achieve whatever you've been working for towards most of your life. So um, you know, a lot of people in their thirties, maybe they're at a, now they're at a career where they're more established. Um, a lot of their hard work is maybe behind them. and Now they're just living, you know, and the problem with just living that I think a lot of people run into is a lot of these conceptual ideas, whether it be like having a certain amount of money in the bank mm. or traveling to certain places or, um, you know, being in a relationship or whatever, I think you experience these things and then all of a sudden you realize, well, um, yeah, these are good, but I don't necessarily, it's not like they're not good enough for me to like, maybe be passionate towards life, like be passionate about my existence going forward, you know? Um, and I think, millennials and Gen Zers and whoever else behind us, like we're probably going to experience this most of all because we're that generation that's not really having children. So I think our parents and their parents before them and pretty much everyone had children. So when you hit your thirties, you had kids. So right when you're right, when you're hitting that feeling of like existential crisis, well, now you have a huge reason to go to work because you have a child. Mm-hmm. You love that child, want that child to um, succeed. And it's like, you realize you also, the other thing you realize is you're like, you're like, I don't really like, I'm not that important. I don't really care if I'm like the best looking or the wealthiest. You know, I, I, some people don't, some people really care about right. that stuff, but a lot of people you kind of just realize like, you know, I don't really care about that. So then when you have a child with that, you're like, well, I want that child to have the best things or I want that child to be super happy or safe or whatever. And so now you're able to kind of like ignore those feelings that you would have had otherwise. And you're, you're given a reason to go to work. You're given a reason to wake up every day, go to your nine to five yeah. or stay 
healthy or cook healthy meals or whatever, you know, like not, you're given a reason not to just like uh, implode into some like nihilistic, <laughs> uh, meaningless existence. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so for me, um, since I don't have children, I kind of went through a lot like this deep thinking period, especially post pandemic, you know, it was really, it was really hard losing my job and having to uproot my life. And, um, and that just wasn't like, you know, I've already had a crazy life before that, you know, during the housing market crash, my family had become homeless mm. and I'd moved out to Dubai for a year and a half. And then I went and worked in Afghanistan for six months and then came back and had to like restart my whole life. And so I'd already been, it's not like this was like some crazy thing that happened. Like I'd already been through crazy things, but you know, when you're younger, I think you're able to kind of like, you just, just what I'm talking about, you kind of just forced through it looking for those end goals and then this time when the pandemic happened and all this stuff i think a lot of people we were, we were talking about before the interview started is people are like reflecting like why yeah. am i at this job why am i doing these things um what do i need this money for if i'm not really happy um and so i spent a lot of time thinking about that and i would not say i have a singular answer i think you know a big thing with me is i started meditating every mm -hmm. morning and that's been really the X factor and me feeling really good and, and really happy just doing my day to day. Um, it kind of helps me come to terms with the redundancy of life mm. a little bit without feeling like there needs to be some massive purpose, you know, instead it kind of make just makes me that gives me contentment. It brings me happiness. So then I don't need some massive thing to focus on. Instead, I can just go through my day to day and be happy. No, and I still have my little goals. I'm saving up to buy a house and, you know, have some other like, I guess, fantasies of like adopting some dogs and having a good garden and all that. But it's not like those are like the driving forces and me just like going to work day to day. Right. I mean, they're not that important. So does that all make sense? It does make sense. And it made me have about 35 follow up questions. So let me try and rifle through and make sense <laughs> of it in my brain. First of all, um, yeah. Thank you for sharing about your experience with homelessness. Was that something you were younger, like you were still living at home? This podcast is sponsored by TerraSeed. TerraSeed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry, empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive, vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win, win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at terraseed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. This podcast is supported by She Thinks. Thinks are washable, reusable period underwear. They look and feel just like normal underwear, but better. Every pair of Thinks is made with their signature innovative technology for the ultimate period protection. Their breathable products are safely made with cotton, nylon, and elastin for a little stretch. I am seriously obsessed with my Thinks underwear. They have changed 
my periods. Try them yourself or get someone the best gift ever with a sweet little discount code. Go to shethinks.com slash Carly for $10 off your order today. Again, that's shethinks.com forward slash C-A-R-L-Y for $10 off your order. Try Thinks today. Um, so I was 21 at the time and it was, uh, yeah, I was living at home. I was flight instructing in Florida. Totally, it's up to you. And, uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it was just something that happened. And, you know, I don't know if I necessarily want to get too deep into it. You know, and that, that was a heavy, that was to heavy fly. conversation, obviously. So, uh, but yeah, moved out to Dubai and lived out to Dubai and for a year and a half and then Afghanistan for six months. Right. And all that, so. Wow. What a. Um, Afghanistan was. Dubai was not. Dubai just past, went out there to right? kind of work. We, we can um, never make assumptions about make others. Because the economy know. was so bad. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know yeah. where, I don't know where that comes from to be, to continue yeah, right, right, speaking right. for myself. I to think be a lot of people shocked when people tell sense. their stories uh, or history with hard things or trauma. Cause it's like, we know that all of us have that. Um, but there's something about hearing it from someone's own experience. that still makes you go, Oh my gosh, I, I had no idea, but of course, of course we didn't. Right. Absolutely. It'd be, it'd be a weird assumption. I think it also, you know, until you get to know people, I think people have, a lot of people have gone through some heavy stuff, um, but it's not really like normalized to openly talk about it, as totally. much, especially, you know, mm-hmm. especially for guys. I think for guys, it wasn't until like my, you know, probably the last five or six years where I've really like, even explored how that affected me and then even discussed it with others, you know, um, just because I would always brush it off. It's just something. That happened. Yeah. That's, that's um, tied to something else I want to talk about, which is your uh, journey with veganism and how that came to be. And then mm-hmm. I want to circle back. I'm, I'm saying this out loud to remind me basically about sure. uh, masculinity yeah. and veganism. Cause I think that's really interesting too. So can how yeah. uh how did you become vegan what's the story what's the scoop um so i grew up vegetarian actually okay. yeah so i've been, always been plant-based and then i went vegan like five years ago um after i had i had seen a uh this video of this cow at a dairy farm that was like frothing at the mouth and I had been vegetarian, obviously, or I'd been vegetarian for not to hurt animals, but I wasn't well educated, I guess, on the dairy system. Right. And and, um, and so I watched this video and it was really like impactful. It was really impactful. And it made me realize like, I sh- if I'm doing this for the animals, I should go get, and I wasn't eating eggs at the time anyway, so I didn't have to give that up, but um dairy was just the last thing and so i went full vegan so growing up vegetarian was that a family thing or was that a choice you made yeah it was a family thing my parents were vegetarian yeah. okay they were kind of like early adopters of that. i was gonna say a little ahead of the curve in the u.s at least in that generation yeah. that wasn't as common no it wasn't as common and i was like so embarrassed by it oh really i mean yeah. speaking of masculinity and right those that 
Yeah, it wasn't so much the gender aspect of it. I just it was just the aspect of being different. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I think I was so insecure growing up, so insecure. Even in high school, I was like, I look back on myself, I was like such an insecure guy. Um, but it's just the idea of like being different, and it's it was weird. Yeah, and, you know what I mean. It wasn't and as deep, trendy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, vegetarian food wasn't good. So people would be like, you know, you're like eating some awful thing. And people are like, why are you eating that? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely was not as trendy. And like, uh, uh, yeah, I was like really embarrassed by it. That's so interesting. So then how did you decide like, hey, I should capitalize on being this vegan pilot. I want to talk about this. Like, where did that decision come from? Well, so it really wasn't. Um, you know, I didn't, I never pictured it blossoming it, blossoming into the success that it's had. I thought it was just going to be kind of like create a little space in the plant-based world, right? which arguably it has, but it's bigger than that because it has so many followers now that everybody sees it. So, um, yeah, I, I knew there were other plant-based and vegetarian pilots out there and vegan ones, but I had done some research and nothing had popped up on Google. And I just figured like there should be something online so that if someone's vegan and they want to be a pilot or some a pilot wants to go plant-based, there should be someone saying like, yeah, it, you're not alone. And it's possible. And this is, here are some tips. So I really created a basic website on Squarespace. Um, it's still up and it looks so bad. <laughs> but just created this basic website and it's like for going vegan, this is what I packed and I put some meals and initially it didn't even have my face or anything like that. And then I was like, I really like making videos and I was like, I'll make some videos. And I was so ignorant on how overly saturated the space already social media was with plant-based stuff. If I had known, I probably wouldn't have even tried to do that, but Sometimes ignorance is good because then it makes you yeah. start. Yeah. The innocence of it all is just like, you know, I'll, people want to see this. And then, um, so then I, yeah, I started the Instagram account. The Instagram account picked up pretty well, you know, and I have a YouTube channel. I think my YouTube videos are awesome. I'll be the first to say it. I don't have any fake humility about it. I think I make really good YouTube videos and they're unique, but YouTube's, I just haven't been able to make enough like consistently to, to grow the channel, I think. So, well, all of that will be in the show notes so everyone can go watch your amazing videos. Yeah, go Don't watch worry. my amazing videos. Yeah. So, what is the intersection of being a male vegan pilot? Like that masculinity conversation. Like, is there um, any times where you've felt like there you were getting like a lot of shit for it or like maybe? maybe not I don't know what was your experience or what is your experience like um so guys will naturally like tease each other and make fun of each other I mean that's very normal Mm -hmm. behavior and it's bonding behavior it's generally positive um but beyond like teasing amongst my friends like I haven't really experienced much um insults or hate or anything like that there's been a couple times where I've had open debates with people in the cockpit in a very friendly way. And I always preclude it as like, I always, you know, like I tell guy, and if 
like let's say you and I, you were like a pilot too and we flew five days together mm-hmm. if you didn't know about veggie pilot and you weren't really paying close attention to what i was eating you wouldn't know i was vegan or vegetarian like right. I don't approach it that way um and you know someone will have a conversation with me about steak and i'll be like ask some questions about it and all that like i'm not um like overly sensitive about that stuff or anything like that so but like let's say some guys wanted to ask you know like have an honest debate about things well you know i know my stuff i can debate things i can debate the ethics of things i can bring up examples i can do all that so you know beyond that i haven't i mean to my face i haven't really had much problems okay from the other guys um you know, I'm a good pilot. I'm easy to work with. I fly the plane well. I think it'd be different if I was like known as, you know, like if you I were an asshole. Was, <laughs> well, if I was an asshole or if I was a weaker pilot, you know, like guys had to worry about flying with me because they were worried I was gonna do something wrong. Then I, you know, be like, Oh, the veggie pilot, like gotta fly with that guy. Got then it. That, yeah. That reputation would definitely like amplify those negative qualities. Um but yeah, I since I was fine to work with and nice and all that and generally get along with everybody. I don't think it was really a huge conversation and, you know, consciousness has definitely changed. Um, yeah. My best friend, he's a FedEx pilot and he's mostly plant-based. I think he eats, I think he's a pescatarian maybe, but you know, um, the idea of eating meat and tying meat in with masculinity, I think is like, I mean, Obviously, I think this, but I think unless you're maybe in a really small city, it's kind of an outmoded idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the modern man in the gender sense is much more aware or conscious about like others suffering and all of that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's as big of a topic as it used to be. Yeah, I totally hear that. I think my perspective is probably different being in a small, like northern Minnesota town. You yeah. know, and I, I went to school in Minneapolis. You said you lived there um, for college for a few years, and that was different than coming back. And I grew up hunting and fishing, and um, that's just what you do when you live in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that is still something I know that um, people, you know, I'm, also always like posting or talking about it or whatever. And I know that there's some people up here that are so tired of me talking about it um, and would still kind of use that argument. But like you said, I think it is like a, it's regional. It's um, there's a lot of factors on why these things persist. Well, and it's like the idea of masculinity itself. I mean, what is masculinity? Right. Is masculinity not like, caring for others or right. being a leader or whatever. And um, so masculinity is not like the things we eat, you know, I mean, that's yeah. a ridiculous argument. And I also <laughs> think probably in your area is different too, because people hunt and fish and those are activities that are tied in with meat eating. Whereas like you go to other places, like people aren't hunting their burgers or anything like right. that. So, there's less identity tied in with the food itself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, I was thinking about this too, like with bonding and making relationships, like you said, between men. But um, for me, I was 
with my dad at deer camp with a bunch of dudes. Um, and like him and that was a, such a bonding thing for him and I. Um, so I think that's a part of it too. People are like, but, but what would I, but what would we do together? Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If a lot of the hobbies are tied in together and like, I don't drink, I don't really drink. Like, I'll drink a very occasionally. I don't drink but, either. So it's like people will go sit in their ice houses and drink beer. It's like, I don't do either of those things. So <laughs> what does that mean? We're not going to be friends, you know? Right. And there's just no friendship that's happening there just because those are the main bonding activities in that region, in that area. Yeah, it's tough. It's so, tough. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You look like you had I something to say, oh, something else to say. Well, I just don't know if it's like, those things are so ingrained and so natural for a lot of these communities that, right. you know, if you're vegan there, it's almost better to just kind of do your own thing and try to like <clears throat> ostracize yourself by like forcing change or anything like that, you know? Totally. And I um, have talked about this on the podcast at nauseum guests are proud or guests and uh, listeners are probably rolling their eyes. But I definitely went through the quote unquote angry vegan stage. Like I, when I first became vegan a few years ago, it was like, holy shit, I've been lied to my whole life. The food industry is garbage. I can't believe all this is happening. And I didn't know. And I was just livid. And then I wanted everyone else around me to listen because I had found the truth and the knowledge and why wasn't anyone listening and why wasn't everybody following along? Um, and that didn't work well for me. (laughs) Yeah. That didn't go over well. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard to, um, it's hard to compartmentalize. Yes. Yes. Because the anger is valid because it's fucked up. Yeah. But um, being mad at my friends and family wasn't super helpful, turns out. No, it's not helpful. It's not beneficial either, to, even to yourself. Like, even if you didn't care about how they felt, like, you know, we need relationships in our life. And mm. those are very important relationships. And and if someone's not going to change, you can't, like, leverage the relationship to get someone to change just to meet your values, you know? Like, you can either meet them at where they're at or you cannot have the relationship like to do anything other than that would be almost like to create like an unhealthy dynamic. Yeah. That sentence right there, bold underline circle. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge, huge thing. I think that one of the things I always imagined when you are sharing pictures, like I said, in the cockpit and you're like, Hey, look at this vegan food. This is what I brought for lunch today. Um, I'm, I've always been curious, like who else is in there that he's like, take my picture of me and my vegan food, please. And if you've like converted anybody in the, in the conversation while flying, wherever you're flying. Never converted in while flying or anything like that, because, um, for like, you just can't go, I would never go into it with this motive that I'm going to like change someone. Totally. Because I think that's like a horrible motive to have in any regards. Like it's disingenuous and all of that. And like, I think all you can do is be nice and treat them with respect and then be honest about whatever opinions you have. And 
you know, there's, you know, I try to like be a bit of a marketer when I do it. I don't, I'm not like, I don't do it in a way that sounds abrasive or anything like that. I do it in a friendly way that might persuade them in some semblance. But um, I think the, a lot of new vegans kind of go through this phase where just what happened to you, you're like, you've, you know, now all of a sudden you see the food system for what it is and how horrible it is and the factory farming and all this. And, and it struck a chord with you. And mm-hmm. so assume that that same chord will be struck with everyone yes you optimistically start trying to share all these things with these people and then it you don't get the results you want and then all of a sudden that optimism turns to like resentment and just it anger does. Um, sure does. Uh, but yeah it's not for everybody i think you know um and really like it comes down to like hate the sin love the sinner you know to quote <laughs> Uh, from I think from the Bible, which is like there's a system in place that just markets this cruelty as a right. edible item, and people just don't have the emotional energy or the capacity in whatever aspect of their life or whatever they're doing or the desire to make like big changes outside, like as you're removing yourself from that system and like leaving a system that you're so accustomed to right. is different. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge part of it. I interviewed someone um, a few months ago and she said something that I literally think about at least like weekly at this point. And it is, you can't be perfect in an imperfect world. And when her and I were talking, it was in reference to sustainability. um, And like, you can't be zero, you can't create zero waste in a world that just doesn't allow for that. Um, so not to be too hard on yourself because being trying to be perfect in a world, not set up for that. Like you just said is a real, um, losing game to play. It is. Yeah. You're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, absolutely. And there's enough, there's enough things trying to get us to fail at this point. Life is already difficult. Life is already hard for everybody. You know, we all have our own challenges. Life beats you down, you know? So it's important to, if you want to have a relationship with, veganism then you have to you have to set up that relationship on your terms yeah you know and a lot of people have an unhealthy relationship with veganism and i think it they hit a burnout point where they it just takes everything from them and they're not able to continue because you know they've destroyed other personal relationships Hmm. and then it's just like they've completely lost themselves into this um you know, movement or idea or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, not sustainable. So then what's the point? It's much better to be, to be a little more mellow about it and, you know, live out the rest of your life. still doing it, than have a hardcore two years or whatever, and just burn out. I don't know. I mean, yeah. that's, that's with anything. I mean, a lot of people, everyone has their own relationship with veganism. So there's not one way or right to do it another way. That's right. I just think you have to like consciously decide what's important to you and where you're willing to draw the line. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that. I think um, when you said relationship with veganism, I keep thinking of all these terms. Now I'm like flirting with veganism, like I'm getting to second base with, (laughs) with veganism. (laughs) Like I have all these things coming to my mind. I'm like, that'd be a funny post. (laughs) Well, would second base with veganism be like, I'm not even sure you don't go vegan or you go vegan for like, four days or something 
act like a real fuckboy with veganism or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really good. So speaking of like, um, do you do you date non-vegans? Are you dating a non-vegan? I am currently single. Um, I was vegan in my last, I went vegan while I was in my last relationship and he was not vegan. And I went through my angry vegan phase during that relationship, which I know sucked. I 110% take ownership how that was probably real shitty for him. Um, and for us, but I moving forward, I would date a non-vegan I think that um one I'm in a small town so I don't want to hold my breath but two I just don't think I don't know I don't think that that makes sense to me ideologically like I don't think I could um discredit every other quality about someone because they didn't have that I guess yeah I agree I agree Especially with things like friendship and especially like romantic relationships. Yeah. Is like, it's great sharing that veganism, but um, I mean, chemistry first and foremost is the ruler of all things. There's been so many times where I like meet up with vegan people and I'm, I quickly realize I'm like, well, we still have much in common. Right. You know, and you know, the veganism is where it begins and where it's end where our, all our compatibility is. So yeah. Vegan doesn't mean you automatically like agree or align with every other thing. No, it's certainly not. Certainly not. And especially like what makes you attracted to someone and get along with that person is so abstract. It's so nuanced. It's so indescribable. It's so like unfathomable because it's like a million different things that are like lining up, whether it's body language, physical appearance, um, you know, emotional output, input, you know, all the things that make chemistry chemistry. Um, and yeah, veganism is like a great thing to share, but it's not, you know, like, it's not going to get, it's not going to have you have a great relationship. Yeah, totally. I will, I would draw, or I did draw a line. I would continue this. I won't cook non-vegan food Yeah. for some, if I'm cooking the meal and I'm putting in the work, it's going to be vegan. And if someone wants to make something else, that's fine. But I actually don't even think, I don't think I could, like, I don't think I could cook meat at this point. I, j- yeah. I don't think I could do it personally. I guess the big thing would be like, once you get past those aspects of relationship, like you have, you have kids or something. I mean, maybe you don't want to have kids, but if you were to have kids, then you got to figure out, do you want to have kids that are like eating meat and all that? I mean, that's, that's a big, hard. that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a different conversation in terms of romantic relationship as like, are you dating yeah. someone? Or are you setting up a future life with someone? Yeah. That's a different conversation. You're right. You're definitely right. Cause that would, that, yeah, that would, that would stress me out that would be a stressful conversation because that's a big compatibility thing you know yeah how you raise your kids and all that so totally well I'm trying to be thoughtful of time but if you have a few more minutes I have um some patreon only questions 
that is just like fun, rapid fire questions. If you're, okay. if you're interested, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, but before that, thank you for joining me. And this was amazing. And um, I hope we get to talk again. Cause this was really fun. Yeah, this was great. I enjoyed this. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If that's somewhere like Apple Podcasts, leave a review and you could be read on air as the review of the week. Looking for more podcast content, yoga videos, meditations, and all-around amazing community? Head over to patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and check out what's going on. And finally, if you are ready to make changes in your life but don't really know where to begin, let's work together. Head over to consciouslycarly.com and we can start the process and get you happy. Until next time.